Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. Today's sermon was preached by the Reverend Lori Anzalotti during our live cast service for Sunday, May 24th, 2020. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts bring us closer to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. It's May 24th. We're in the heart of graduation season. Of course, this coronavirus graduation season looks a little different than graduations past. It's full of car parades and posters that are staked into the front lawns. There's one in my front yard that I can see from here. Maybe you're one of those people that's missing the pomp and the circumstance of the graduation season. Could it be possible that some of you are even missing graduation speeches? That's a little doubtful. But whether you miss them or not, you just heard a commencement speech straight from the mouth of Jesus in today's gospel. You see, this passage from John 17 is the final chapter before Jesus' betrayal in the garden and his death. He prays aloud in front of his disciples before their leadership of this Jesus movement commences. There are three parts to this prayer. In the first section, Jesus prays for himself. In the second section, which we only read half of today, Jesus prays for his disciples. And in the third section, which the lectionary uses for another year, Jesus prays for his future disciples. Yep, that's you and me. Jesus prayed for us. If Jesus chooses to pray these as his final words to the disciples as they graduate to become the leaders of this movement into the wor- in the world, the words, the prayer, must have real significance. As we examine them closely, we can see at every turn that Jesus points not to himself, not to the world, but to the Father. First, he prays that the disciples may have eternal life, which Jesus defines as to know that you are the only true God and to know Jesus, who God sent. He wants them to have eternal life, but eternal life isn't in the far off sometime after our death. Eternal life is in the here and the now through knowing God. There he is, Jesus, just pointing right to God in this idea of eternal life. A few verses later, in verse 7, Jesus says that everything that you have given me is from you. In the following two verses, he fleshes this out as he says, my words are from you. I am from you. The disciples are from you. Everything points to God. 
Finally, Jesus uses the word glorified throughout this passage. Glorified in the Greek means to make visible God's presence. So when Jesus says, I have been glorified in them, the disciples, what he's really saying is, I have made visible God's presence in the disciples. Everything that Jesus says in this final commencement prayer points back to the Father. And so, as disciples and members of the Jesus movement, this is our commencement address too. And Jesus' prayer for us is that everything we do point to God. So there's just one inevitable question. Does everything you do point to God? So often what we do points to us, to our talents, our accomplishments. So often what we do is point to a political party or a political ideology. So often what we do is point to a certain knowledge, set of books, a topic. But Jesus didn't pray, dear God, please let my disciples take note of my innovative program designs and my effective preaching. And no political ideology or party fully encompasses the gospel of Jesus Christ. And knowledge does not usher in the eternal life that Jesus longs for, for us. We point in so many different directions when Jesus just prays that we will point to God. Carol Lee Flinders, in the opening of her book, At the Root of This Longing, offers an example of what it might look like to point to God. Flinders tells the story of Linda. Linda was in her early 40s when she got to that place in her life that you pray you will only read about. She was deeply depressed. She had left her marriage that she single-handedly had been fighting to save. And in effect, she left her two teenage children because she had nothing for herself much less to give anyone else. One sleepless night, she picked up a pamphlet that a previous tenant had left in her rundown studio apartment. It was an introduction to meditation using inspirational passages from women mystics. Every night, Linda would light a candle and watch it push back the shadows in the room Then she would close her eyes and she would begin to chant. Let nothing disturb thee. Let nothing affright thee. Everything is changing. God alone never changes. When she came to the end of this prayer from St. Teresa, she would move on to chant Catherine of Siena. And the soul is closed in God, and God in the soul, as the sea in the fish, and the fish in the sea. 
Through this meditation, Linda was able to join the chorus of women mystics who consistently pointed to God. Prayer after prayer reminded her that she was not separate from God. She was not even just in relationship with God, but she was closed in the soul of God and God was closed in her soul. They were one, united intimately. This is where today's gospel ends as well. Jesus points to the Father over and over again so that his disciples, and that's us, will be one just as he and the Father are one. The goal of pointing again and again to God in unity is oneness with God and with each other. And so my prayer for you, for me, for us in this graduation season, echoes Jesus' commencement prayer. May all we do point to God, the parent of us all, that you may know union with him and with one another. Amen.